Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to uh, the corner office. <laughs> I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. We built an office. Well, yeah, kind of, <laughs> sort of. Coming to you live from the corner office of Stressless Camping, it's Stressless Camping Podcast, episode 159, season four. Season four, guys. Here we are. We have arrived at season four. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we, I don't know, built an office is, the, is really the term. Unbuilt? Um, <laughs> well, that in might, a way, yeah. In some ways, that's exactly what we did. Okay, so what we did was we took the theater seating out of the slide. Yeah, remember how much we wanted theater seating in our trailer? Uh huh. We really did. Yeah, and we really liked it. We really, we really did like it. And as a matter of fact, if um if we did everything, kicking back and looking at the television screen, the theater seating was. Fabulous for that. Yeah, except for one little fly in We that never do that. Yeah, we don't watch TV. <laughs> we watch YouTube videos, but we that's do. on our own devices. Right. And so what we found was the theater seating was actually too comfortable. We couldn't sit up to right. concentrate on our work. And so we took the theater seating out. My nephew helped Tony do that. Yeah, and... we have a nephew who's quite mechanically inclined actually right. a lot of our family on peggy's <laughs> side is quite in mechanically inclined yeah me not so much so they took the theater seats out and tony and i built some office chairs that we bought from one of the office conglomerates i don't remember which yeah, one. yeah office staples depot max right? whatever <laughs> and they're red yeah. and black so they're super cool and we have these lifetime, those plastic tables, and they're like TV tray, kind of large TV tray size, and they are height adjustable. Yes. So we each have our own individual desk, so we can have it to the height and location that we want. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, we are really pleased with this arrangement. And there's a video, and I will put it in this week's email our conversion process, as it were. It's a short video. What we did is we obviously took out the theater seats. The neat thing about this is in the slide box in our Rockwood Mini Light 2205, there are windows kind of on three walls, right? Yes. Of course, slide box only is three walls. And it's kind of nice. So instead of the theater seats kind of facing into the camper... Where we're always looking at the stove. <laughs> right? Well, if you're cooking something that smells good, well, you know, sure. we're both sitting there like, ooh, egg bites or whatever. <laughs> Which, by the way, I have been eating like mad. But anyway, we're looking out the windows. In fact, right now we are mooching at Peggy's sister and brother-in-law's house in their driveway here in Millican, Colorado. Yeah, and just out the windows, we have an awesome view of a cornfield. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it is pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, we've been here for a while. We will be here through this weekend for yet another family wedding. <laughs> and yep. then 
off to New Mexico. Right. Finally. Right. Our house in California has gone into escrow. Yeah, we're keeping our fingers crossed on that one. Right. And so we are going to move forward and go start checking out new houses. Yeah, finally. It's been four months on the market. The market... The moment we put the house on the market, the market just was like, ha, 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 Henry Higgins. No, I'm not interested in, like, actually selling houses anymore. <laughs> anyway, blah, blah, blah. Blah, right? blah, blah. Anyway, we have a new office. We might soon have a new house, a new sticks and bricks. But for today, what we have is a really interesting guest. Michael Boyink has written a book called Driven to Wonder and we read it and really enjoyed it and he came on the podcast and so right after this here comes Michael Boyink. Traveling with your RV is the best way to get around. Yeah, but you want to do it safely, so using your phone's GPS can lead you down some potentially dangerous places. For sure. That's why we love RV Trip Wizard, part of the RV Life Suite, which lets you plan your journeys before you go, and then use the RV Life app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate your journey. Yeah, you can set parameters such as how far you like to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of campgrounds. It also takes into account the size of your RV and more. Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't gonna lead you into trouble. If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. And we have a great deal for you. 25% off your annual subscription. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on stresslesscamping.com where you can listen to our interview with RV Life and learn about the whole RV Life suite and save your RV while you save on an RV Life subscription. Now Now that's Stressless stressless camping. Camping. We have the privilege of having Michael Boink with us. And Michael has been an RVer for eight years on the road with his wife and two children. And more importantly, well, not necessarily more importantly, (laughs) Michael has written a book called Driven to Wonder, Mm W-O-N-D-E-R, which is sort of a compendium of his travels in 126 chapters. (laughs) Yeah. Michael, welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to meet you here. We've uh, talked on LinkedIn and all of that, and and now we have the privilege of speaking with you in person after having read some of your book, but not enough yet (laughs) to my taste. I'm really enjoying it. Well, thank you. So, Driven to Wonder, let's talk first of all about the title, because it's not Wander with an A, but Wonder with an O. I think the very first thing I write in the book is, yeah, you probably think I made a typo. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, the title actually came to me, I I was most of the way done with the book and just did not have a title I was happy with. And we had a visit back to Michigan, we're in Missouri, and we had a visit back to Michigan scheduled. I'm like, my only goal for this 12 hours on the road is I want to come out at the other end with a title for this book. <laughs> my wife has hearing issues, so we can't always play music in the car. It's hard to communicate sometimes. So it's a lot of a lot of thinking time on these long road trips. So, and just along the way came Driven. I'm like, I like Driven because it's got two meanings to it. And then uh, Wonder came along. And I'm like, I really, I like, I've really gotten charmed by the word wonder. 
you know, wandering, it's kind of a means to an end that's, you know, you can wander without purpose and you can wander without meaning, but the wonder is what we were really after. It's kind of why we started traveling. We were curious about what was out there. And then once we got out there, the other definition of wonder is, you know, admiration, amazed admiration. Yes. We found that for people and we found that for, you know, national parks and just a lot of different situations. So that like that drive kind of settled it. I'm like, I've got my title. I'm going to have to explain it probably, but I'm happy with it. And you spent eight years, I believe, on the road with your family. Yeah. And that was at a time when you were quite a pioneer as opposed to now it's it's relatively <laughs> common. But how did you decide to lose the chains and hit the road? It started as a as a whim, really. I had been nine eleven happened, I got laid off out of the corporate world, um, started a business. So I was at home in the basement working, doing web development. So clients were all over the country, all over the world, actually. Uh, wife was upstairs homeschooling the kids. And it just dawned on us at one point, like, we could do this anywhere. Clients don't care where I'm at. We could take homeschooling anywhere. The only thing really holding us here is a church community and a house. And I think the I think we were having like a housing crisis at that time. I remember having a conversation like we're going to die here. We're never going to sell this house. <laughs> this was our this was, <laughs> this was our first house. And like, oh, we're gonna this is going to be the only house we've ever owned, and we're just going to grow up and die here, and that's going to be the end of our story. And I don't even remember where the germ of the idea came from. I probably I had grown up RV camping. My parents have had more RVs than I can even remember. The stellar one and the, the connection we have is the, the Winnebago. We took. We had a uh, 76 Winnebago Brave. Ah. Um, yeah. And that, we had some very memorable trips from Michigan up to Colorado and back when I was a teen. But so I'd done that. My wife had grown up camping in a pop-up. So we, we had kind of that similar background, but somewhere came that germ of an idea. Hey, we could, you know, we could do this in an RV. We could travel and, and just keep clients happy and keep homeschooling the kids. In fact, it'd be a better homeschooling experience for them. We could show them places rather than just read about it. So, Yeah. Lots of thinking at some point we went from, Hey, wouldn't that be cool to why don't we take that seriously? Right. (laughs) And it started, I believe as just, Oh, we're going to do this for a year and then settle back down. Yeah. And nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and initially that was because it was really hard to decide what to buy. Like if you go to an RV lot and you say, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to move my family into this and we're going to kind of live in it full time. They're going to steer you to the biggest RV in the lot. You know, oh, well, sure. you know, if you're going to live in it, you need, you need this 45 foot, you know, class A that costs, you know, half a million dollars. Like, you know, we don't have that kind of budget. <laughs> so we needed constraints. I'm like, I, I need a way to frame this trip so that it'll help us decide where to go. What can we do? What do we live in? And so we, we set this, well, and the big question was, do we keep the house or not? That was the big financial decision. Do we keep, you know, <laughs> yeah. we keep yeah. our house as a kind of a safety net? What if we don't like this? What if the RV falls apart or whatever? Or if someone has a health issue? I mean, there's any number of reasons that could knock you off the road. And having that house, at least for the first years of safety net, just felt like the right thing to do. So we found a friend. Uh, financially, we didn't need rent from the house because that changes mortgage and insurance and all of that, too. It just kind of sure. got kind of complex. So we found a friend to live there rent-free, just be in the house, keep it working, be a presence there so it doesn't get vandalized. And then went and bought a used 30-foot bunkhouse fifth wheel. I'm like, here's a rig we can live in for a year. And hitched that up to a used truck that we bought and got on the road. 
And the kids were relatively small at that time then. Well, they were 12 and 13. Oh, not that small. No, okay. <laughs> no. In fact, you know, as we look back, like the only very, very few regrets about what we did. One of them was that we just didn't do it like three or four years sooner. We absolutely could have. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that many, many times from people who have moved to full-time RVing. Yeah. The biggest complaint is, why didn't we do this earlier? Yeah. Because with, with preteens like that, you've got a window of, you know, four or five years and then they're, you know, 17, 18, looking at what's next for their life. Is it college? Is it moving mm-hmm. out? And that's that's going to probably change your, your situation. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I think I've said on this podcast before that some of my favorite lessons from childhood were when my parents would take us out of school and we would hit the road and and go see things that we might have studied in school. And just the reality of the those experiences really makes a difference. So I would imagine your children have the same type of story to tell. Yeah, they've seen a lot and in, in met a lot of people that they wouldn't have met back in Michigan. And you had mentioned a church community. Did mm-hmm. you find that on the road as well? You know, as, as big as the physical journey was, I think our spiritual journey was as big. Oh. We realized that being full-time RVers doesn't meld well with the, the current mainstream church in America. Pretty much, you know, we, we visited churches for a while and found that as soon as they realized you weren't going to be there again next week, their interest in getting to know you wasn't quite as strong. Mm. We're always the visitors. And uh, right. it just kind of got uncomfortable feeling after a while. And that, that led to, well, what is this church thing anyway? Why do we only do it on Sunday? Why do we do it in buildings? Why do we, you know, why do all these denominations, even though they sort of look different, there's a lot of similarities. We sing in unison. We have, you know, similar elements to the worship service. How did those came to be? And why do we do that versus, you know, why don't we all paint paintings rather than sing songs? You know, it's just, <laughs> we just started kind of questioning our whole, you know, what we saw as church in our life. Yeah, I ended up kind of redefining it, ran into a bunch of other people who were kind of at the same point in their faith journey as well, and very much adopted a, okay, God, whatever you put in our path for today, that's going to be church, whether it's the people in our path or the challenges you put in front of us. But it's very much less about going to a certain spot on a certain day and doing these certain things than just trying to find those moments in our everyday life. And then we also had a, couple of, we had a couple of experiences too, where we scheduled communal time in like, we're all going to go to this campground in Florida during these weeks. And we had five or six families all show up all from faith backgrounds. And it became kind of a, a community church experience that was really, really powerful. That's another thing that I've taken away from your book is you had mentioned that you and your wife were fairly introverted or were or are fairly introverted. Are. <laughs> yet you found a, f- yeah, a fantastic <laughs> sense of community on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the biggest surprise. I, I really did. And like you say in the book, I thought it would just be us, you know, in the RV most of the time. And, and that's okay. Like we're, you know, we're each other's best friends and we've, we've worked together you know, it's, it's interesting. We had, I think we had a dozen reality TV show producers contact us during our time on the road, wanting to do some kind of a wow. part. And I'm like, there is no drama in this family. Like it would be the most boring TV <laughs> show. <laughs> I, well, I know what's going to happen is you're going to try to seed us with drama to try to get us to go at each other to make good TV. And it ain't going to happen because yeah. we're, not, we're not that, those kind of people. So, so yeah. So to, to find the, the amount of community, the amount of friendships that we found was was the biggest surprise of the whole trip. That's awesome. Yeah, it's that's something that 
We have been part-time travelers with a Sticks and Bricks home and have, in the past few months, been full-time travelers. Mm. <laughs> and we've caught up with people that have been part of our lives sometimes for 30 years that we haven't seen in 10 or 15. Right. And it's been it's been marvelous. Yeah. Right. And we're I think we're in a little bit different travel mode right now than we've ever been because we are going somewhere and staying for a, an amount of time rather than one day or two mm, days. Yeah. And so we are making friends in campgrounds yep. yeah. and starting to hang out with people. Uh, we met up with a couple who we'd met at FMCA conventions mm. a couple times. They, we were at the same campground. We didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to hang out together and, you know, become better acquainted and more friends. So now we'll look for them as we travel around. Yeah. Having the opportunity to stay in one place for more than a couple of days gives you a chance to actually get to know some people and not just wave at them as they walk by. <laughs> yeah. In your book, you had described, I'll let you take it from there, but <laughs> you had described how things that might draw you together in a sticks and bricks community are very different than what creates a friendship on the road and how friendships on the road may actually be better. Yeah, I think at least in the full-time family world that we were part of, to get to that point, you had to go through some fairly, I use the word traumatic and not traumatic bad, but I mean, selling your house, completely changing how, you know, where you get your groceries, where you get your gas and being open to that changing weekly. That's a big decision process to go through, especially if you're the parent of a family with kids, because you're like, this sounds fun and it sounds cool, but am I going to screw my kids up? Am I going to ruin their future? Yeah. Am I going to, is a college going to say no, that would have said yes, you know, based on this experience. So, you know, all of the decisions it, it took to get you into that campground in an RV full-time that's a shared experience. It's, I think it's a lot like when a veteran meets another veteran, you know, you just got this shared history that you can just sort of look at each other and nod and, you know, you don't even need to talk about it because you, you know what it took yeah, and you know what yeah. you went through. And that just created a foundation for a friendship that happened faster and deeper than we're used to in, you know, in the community. Cause we're, you know, we're back in the house again, too. We're in a, a small town. And we've got great neighbors, but we haven't had supper with them. <laughs> well, or seen each other walking your dogs in pajamas. Probably, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> pigs in some cases. We saw that in one campground. He's, he's walking. walking <laughs> or, or lately I've seen cats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We saw that too. Cats on leashes. You got to have a pig because that way you make sure there's bacon. No, no. Oh. Just, I'm just kidding. Oh. That's terrible. You Man, talk about that. traumatizing your children. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what's his name? Breakfast. <laughs> so one of the things I really enjoyed in your book, and again, Driven to Wonder is the name of the book by Michael Boink, and it's B-O-Y-I-N-K. And mm -hmm. of course, we will put a link to the website and where to buy the book on the show notes. But one of the, my favorite aspects of the book thus far is how you chose to decide where to go. Mm. Yeah, and there's a, a bunch of factors. If I have to grab my copy to remember them all, people have asked, "Were you? Did you plan your route? You know, out in great detail? Did you just get up and start driving?" And the answer is all of the above at different times. You know, one of the ways we made money for a while was doing classroom training. So I had I had written a previous book. It was a software technical book on how to build a website on a piece of software. And we built a training business around that. So we would schedule classroom training and market that. And people would sign up for the class. And it was a three or four day class that we did around the country. 
So if we had one of those scheduled, then you're on a tighter schedule. Like, uh, we've got to be in Georgia sure. by this date because that's when the class starts. So it puts you on more of a schedule. If we didn't have a class scheduled, then I was just doing web development that I could kind of do on my schedule and do just about anywhere. So that freed up our, our route planning to just kind of go where we wanted to go. So then, you know, you're a little looser, which is in some ways easier, in some ways harder. There was a number of factors, you know, are there other friends close by that we've met and we spoke about community? Hey, look, you know, these people are three, 400 miles away. Let's just head that way. And if they're still there, when we get there, we can hang out again. Right. Or was there a national park or, or something on the map that looked interesting that we wanted to go see? You know, what was the weather? I, I remember very much trying to get home to Michigan from Florida one year and playing like leapfrog, you know, it's go, 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 stop, wait for a weather fort, you know, weather system to go through, go, 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 stop. Okay. Wait for those hurricanes to go through. Okay. Now let's break for home. Yeah. You know, even, you know, the state of the RV tanks, like, you know, do we have full tanks? We need to dump somewhere. Then we should probably look for a private campground within a couple hours and we'll, we'll spend the night and fill up the, fill up the good stuff and get rid of the bad stuff and then take it. Right? <laughs> yep. So, that's the reason we find campgrounds every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or laundry. Laundry was another thing. You know, if you can get an yep. RV park with laundry, maybe it's better or more convenient than having to stop and find parking for the rig and, and using a, a regular laundromat. So yeah, yeah, it was a constant, you know, roulette wheel of factors to take into each time to figure out kind of where and where and when to go. So was that, and the answer might be both. Was that freeing or was that stressful, not really being sure where you were going to go next? Yeah, it was both at different times, certainly. Yeah. And most of that, my wife did. Although there were some days it would just, she literally would get up like, let's just drive, just drive west. And a couple hours from now, I'll <laughs> grab the map and we'll kind of figure out where to go from there. But yeah, you know, there were other times where I, I remember wanting to visit the Great Dismal Swamp. And a lot of people have not heard of the Great Dismal Swamp. I haven't heard no. of the Great Dismal Swamp. No, oh, <laughs> but the name uh, sells itself. <laughs> that's exactly why I wanted to go. Like it's if you look at it, it's a big green blob on the map. It's out on the it kind of straddles North Carolina and Virginia. We have a national thing with dismal in the name. I need to go see this. <laughs> it's a national something in Virginia, a state park in North Carolina. It's this really great spot. There's um underground railroad history there. Harriet Beecher Stowe, after she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, the next book she wrote was um, was about the Great Dismal Swamp. Huh. Uh, the, the Intercoastal Waterway runs through there. It's actually where George Washington did some of his early surveying work. So there's actually the Washington Ditch. Wow. <laughs> uh, boy, they knew how to brand stuff yeah, in those Yeah, isn't that days. great? We have a presidential ditch. <laughs> but I just remember trying to get there. It was a puzzle of weather. There, wasn't, there weren't like great camping options. So you're like, you know, do I pick this park or that park? It seems like we needed laundry done. So there was just, there, I remember just feeling like it took me a day to figure out where we're going to go to visit the swamp. Then did it live up to the promise of... It did. It I, I found it fascinating. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many, you know, crisscrosses of history that all intersect there. And then there's there's a natural lake in the middle of it and you can kayak. Huh. We, we had inflatable kayaks. So we, we kayaked, I think it was like a six miles, one of our longer days on the kayaks, was you can kayak up a canal that they built and then you kind of portage around a dam that they've got, and then you can drop your kayaks back in that lake. And the lake is beautiful because there's there's nothing on it. It's completely you know primitive yet. And I've got some awesome pictures from from that day that, that I still love. But you no, know, it was a it was a memorable stop. That's really cool. And all this, all the campgrounds are full, whatever. And a lot of that experience seems to me to be the people who are trying to visit 
Yellowstone and Yosemite rather yeah. than the Great Dismal Swamp. <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to fill up your passbook of national places, there's a place to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, probably yeah, not exactly. nearly as crowded as Yosemite. <laughs> probably not. I mean, it's not quite the same you know things to do there, but uh, but it was it was a memorable stop for us for sure, and even made more so in the park that we ended up going to. There was a group of people, I think it was a Seder service. It was kind of, if you're of more of a Hebrew or, or early Christianity uh-huh. faith, they were doing one of those special services in the park. So we met a family and just ended up getting along with them and had a oh, good connection from a community perspective too. Huh. That's great. Yeah. That's the kind of serendipity that makes travel so much fun. Yeah. 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 We found friends in fellow swamp lovers. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Swampies. One of the interesting things that I've learned about how you wrote the book, it was not so much written as you went and experienced these things, mm. but more sort of looking back on your photo album of some, fifth, I think, 15,000 Yeah, 15,000 pictures. <laughs> wow. Wow. Pretty trigger happy with the camera. <laughs> Did you shoot film or was it digital? All digital, yeah. I, had, I think I had okay. three oh, okay. different digital So that cameras. makes it much much more digestible. Yeah, I, yeah. But eating us out of house and home if I had a film camera. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, plus just the time constraints of developing film and all of that. Right. So was the process that you just looked at the photos from a certain location and wrote down that memory later, not as you did it? Yeah, it would happen either from one of two ways. Either I'd be looking through my pictures going, I've got some really good photos from this spot. Is there a story there that I can tell to use the photos? Or I would be, I, I have this really good story from a spot Let's go see if I've got pictures to support it. Okay. Basically, I stopped writing when I ran out of that combination. Like, there's still stories I could tell, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have good pictures about them. And I've got some really great pictures, but there's not really a good story to tell about that spot. So yeah, that's how we ended up with what we've got. And I think you had mentioned you wanted 100 chapters and couldn't stop until <laughs> right. you hit 126. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I'd be able to get 100 done. And then I got to 100 and it's like, no, I think there's still a few more to tell. And then basically decided just to publish them all. I, I, for a while, I thought, well, I need to whittle these down to 100 and then realize ah, I can just put them all in the book. And if it makes it a bit more expensive, oh, well, but I, I want them all in there. And right now the book is available both in print and digitally through Kindle. Right. Do you have any takeaways in particular you'd like to share with our audience? About the book, I always I want to make sure people understand it's, it's not an RVing how-to book. It's not tips and tricks and hacks and how to use a blue buddy to empty your tanks. Like it's not that. <laughs> And, and the reason it's not that is because those books are out there already. And I think there's some pretty good ones sure. out there already. And I saw no reason to compete with them. I didn't see books that just told stories like this. I'm, I mentioned this in another podcast too. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Charles Corral. And maybe you guys are of an age that you remember Charles, but yes, yes. As I've mentioned his name, I, I find it's you, you pretty much almost got to be like early 50s and older to remember who Charles Corral was. So, <laughs> For those younger people who are listening, Charles was a CBS anchor and uh, report. He started as a reporter, became an anchor, got kind of tired of always reporting the hard news, the hard stuff. And, and I just learned this. He had read Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie, which oh. was an early book for us as well, and just really liked this idea of traveling in an RV and finding the stories that kind of come across your bow. So. Corralt took off in a Class A motorhome with, I think, just two other guys, a sound guy and a camera guy, because we're, we're in film era at that point. Right. And just traveling the back roads of America and running into people and learning their stories. And a lot of these 
were it's video they ran it on broadcast tv but they're like four or five six minute clips and then they would just they would fill a half an hour with a number of them and a lot of those are on youtube and if you go back and you set aside the, the old looking photography because it was film the stories are still good stories because Carl right. was just really skilled i see he was he wrote like a poet and he spoke like an orator and he kept himself out of the picture. It was about the people he ran into. We got to see his motorhome when we were at the Henry Ford. Oh, last sure. Month. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of five that he went through. Yeah. An old FMC. Yeah. I tried to channel Kralt <laughs> while I wrote this. I mean, when you think about it, he's kind of like the granddaddy of RV vloggers, yeah. right? I mean, that's essentially yeah. what yeah. he did. And Yeah. I think every vlogger out there should be going back and looking at his stuff. And just oh yeah for style and for content taking lessons from him somehow he found these incredible stories of the people on the road and that's something that just impressed the heck out of me yeah. about those films but yeah I, i'm always amazed by just how short they were i think he was way ahead of his time in that respect and you know telling these stories in a four or five six minute format like that because you expect kind of kind of the full-on half hour per episode but i think that that's one of the reasons they're still attractive to go listen to is they're, they're just kind of short and tight. Yeah. So you have now transitioned from being on the road and into the next chapter. Do you think there's a lot of value in, as you plan your trips on the road, also planning your end game? Back when I was looking at doing this with my family, I couldn't find people talking about the end game. And that's what bugged me back then. Cause it, you could find all kinds of blogs from families who had started doing this. Even then, even though it was we were kind of early in the game, even then there was a website called familiesontheroad.com. And it, it basically just listed the blogs from families who had, or websites from families who had started it. So there, there were people doing it and you could kind of get a sense for the RVs that they bought and kind of where they were going. But you couldn't, it was really hard to figure out what happened when they were done. <laughs> Or what happened when the kids wanted to age out and go off on their own? I, I couldn't find anyone telling that story. And that, that continued to be a problem even while we were on the road. I, I think when people stop traveling after making that jump, for whatever reason, if it feels like failure, or just doesn't, they don't want to tell that part of the story or it doesn't get told anyway. And so it's one of the things I wanted to capture in the book was for us, here's why we got off the road and here's how we got off the road. So there was some sense of closure to this lifestyle. Because I, I think for families, especially, I, I do think there is a lifespan to it. I think about four to five years on sure. average, you know, give and take with some exceptions. But as kids age, you know, get to be 17, 18, 19, they want to go to college or get full-time jobs or whatever. So that typically causes the family to kind of reevaluate how they're living. But yeah. to have just have a narrative of some of someone gone through that experience and talking about that or talking about even launching a kid because uh, my son we launched him a couple of years before we stopped traveling so we we successfully launched him from a moving vehicle with no road rash <laughs> <laughs> he stuck the landing <laughs> oh, there you go it's funny you see even people of retirement age or whatnot there's those RV parks where they've they've basically put the RV in in park as yeah. it were, and they're they're over. So I guess it's also important not only to have your short term plans in order, but perhaps long term and have an yeah. end game. Well, his end game was to stop in one year, and that <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So that went out the window. 
Well, but always make your plans in Jello. Right. That's right. what that's what yeah. we learned early on. Set your plans in Jello because you never know when you're going to have to change your mind. Yeah, I don't, I don't even need plans so much. I just wanted some examples just to know that it was possible or to see some, yeah. you know, see how somebody else had done it. Okay, so I kind of see how that worked for them. At least I know there's right. a path from here to there, even if mine might be slightly different. I don't, it just, ease of mind is just all I was looking for at that point. Yeah. Once again, we have Michael Boink with us, and he has written the book, Driven to Wonder. And, and one of the things I've really enjoyed about reading it is, you know, you're not taking away hard lessons, as you said, how to dump the blank tanks, how to <laughs> run the air conditioner on battery. So it's really a nice, enjoyable, I mean, you can sit back and and enjoy the book, and the chapters are very, very digestible. So mm. I really have been enjoying it. And different sort of book from a lot of the RV how-tos, and absolutely one worth getting. Yeah. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you again for your time this morning. Yeah, absolutely. We encourage our listeners to get themselves a copy and sit back and enjoy. Yeah, and I'd be happy to hear from them. I think as an author, you're always... You know, this was three years worth of work, and now I'm waiting to hear what people think about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, the well, reviews, I'm enjoying and, it. Yeah, reviews and feedback are, are great to hear at this point. In fact, well, I, I really, I kind of got the only review I needed. I realized right before I published this that I had never told my parents I was writing a book. Oh. Oh. My folks are in their 80s now. They're actually one of those people that are in an RV park in Michigan in a kind of a seasonal unit. And when I realized that I was so close to publishing, I thought, well, I'm not going to tell them now. I'll just send them a copy of the finished product and it <laughs> can be a surprise for them. So I did that and we got the phone call and they were, they were all happy and, you know, were proud of me. And then it was like a week and a half later, I got another call from my mom going, I need two more of these. Oh, It's fantastic, which is a word she never uses. And I think it finally struck home to her that I was a professional writer. She's like, this is just yeah. really, really well written. And she wanted two more to be able to pass around the campground. So nice. That's fantastic. Figured at that point, that's uh, I'm done. Uh, that's all the review I need. <laughs> Did you send her signed copies? Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Michael, that was so wonderful to hear from you and talk to you and yeah. learn a little bit about your journey. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, absolutely. So any plans to to continue traveling by RV? I know you've found the sticks and bricks and such, but is there still hitch itch? There is. And the way we're scratching it right now is we bought a little uh, Toyota minivan and the intent was to create just kind of a weekend rig. And now we're trying to take longer trips out of it. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we, do we stay in this? Do I, do I add more to it? I don't know if RVing, you know, technically RVing is in our future. We actually, we adopted while we were on the road, a policy of never wanting to repeat the same experience twice. Like, you know, we're out to do new things. Let's not always, not just repeat the easy ones. Yeah. So we're kind of at that with RVing. Like, you know, we've done this for eight years. I don't think it's as been adventurous feeling now as it was then. So what else can we do? And we haven't answered that question yet. We're just, we're looking at different opportunities and ideas. We've got kind of a cheap place to live for now. We can, we can live really economically where we're at. We don't have to be in a hurry to jump on anything. Um, but I don't know. We're, we're looking at going out of the country. We're looking at doing different caretaking kind of jobs. We just heard of a family who gets to go, they go to Germany every year for three weeks to pet sit a turtle. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I need 
need that's the job I need right there. Yeah. Right? Pet sitting a turtle, you wouldn't have to shell out a lot of money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I always have to get a pun in. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's not gonna be a turtle emergency either. Even if the thing gets loose, you know, you could have a cup of coffee right? before chasing it out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What a great gig. Yeah. Man. So yeah, if anyone has those kind of gigs, I'd be happy to hear about them. But yeah, we're we're just kind of evaluating our future yet and deciding what's what's next for us as the new empty nest couple. How exciting Sounds though. Good. Yeah. And where can we keep in touch with you? Uh boink.com is the easiest way. So it's B-O-Y-I-N-K.com. That's got it's kind of my portfolio site with samples of my writing and it's got a uh, page for the book and all the details about the book. Okay. Well, we'll follow along and yeah. find out what turtles you get to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. We love being part of the largest club of RVers with events, rallies, tours, resources, and more. And you can be too. That's the FMCA, and it's not just for motorhomes anymore. Now any RVer can join the FMCA and enjoy their fantastic benefits. Yeah, like chapters where people of common interest gather and go on outings and adventures together. It's a great way to meet other RVers who share your interest or location. But there are other great resources too, like a beautiful magazine, forums, videos, tutorials, and so much more. And don't forget the incredible programs like Medical Assist, where the FMCA is there for you in the event of a medical emergency on the road. Yes, and we signed up for the FMCA's Roadside Assistance, which specializes in RVs and offers towing to the nearest qualified repair facility, no matter how many miles away it is. It's a great optional program that's been part of the FMCA for years. Plus, of course, we've got a good deal for you. New members can save $10 on an FMCA membership. We've got the details and more information on this terrific organization on our discounts and deals page at stresslesscamping.com. Join us and other RV enthusiasts at an upcoming rally or gathering and save money in the process. Now Now that's that's Stressless Camping. Camping. That was awesome. You know, it's neat to read books written by traveling authors for some reason. (laughs) Michael Boyink, Karen Musser-Nortman. Nick Russell. Yeah, so many good authors who travel. So, And one of the things that might help them to write so well is a good night's sleep. Getting a good night's sleep is always a good idea. So not only did we swap out the office, we also swapped out our bed. So my sister's garage right now is full of (laughs) cardboard boxes. (laughs) She's not kidding. Luckily, the nephew took home the theater seating, but the boxes from building chairs, the boxes from our new ghost bed mattress are all... Well, I'm going to break them down today and put them in the dump trailer. But anyway, we were able to get a ghost bed mattress, Yeah, I... which has been fun explaining to my 10 and 12-year-old nieces <laughs> <laughs> why we're sleeping with ghosts. <laughs> it was sent to us to try out from a company called Ghost Bed, which was founded by the family that founded Werner Ladders. Well, it's an obvious oh, interchange from ladders to mattresses. 
Well, apparently the founder couldn't find a bed that he really liked and had some sleep issues. So basically created this mattress company to build beds that were really comfortable. So as you know, we provide content for a lot of places, including rvtravel.com. And they are a new advertiser for rvtravel.com, but said, hey, would you like to try this bed? and see what you think of it. And like so many mattresses nowadays, you know, it comes in a basically like a big plastic burrito. Yeah. You cut open the plastic and it kind of expands in place. Which it did really quickly. I thought, you know, I didn't read instructions, but I was kind of worried, like, let it sit for 12 hours. And I thought, oh, we don't have 12 hours till bedtime. But really, as we unrolled it, it was expanding to its full thickness. And so it happened quite quickly. Yeah, and it's it's pretty thick. It is memory foam, but they have some cooling technology that they talk about. And truthfully, so what we had before, first of all, which is what we had, this is a carryover from our previous Rockwood. Mm -hmm. We had the factory mattress, which is like every RV mattress, essentially a series of rocks. <laughs> and then we put a three-inch memory foam topper on top. Mm -hmm. And the combination of the soft top and the firm bottom <laughs> that doesn't sound right firm bottoms uh, hello the firm mattress right and the three inch topper really made a great combination it was quite comfortable we really had zero issues with that combination so it was going to be you know do we want to replace it with this mattress well the bottom line boy am i glad we did we yeah i really like this ghost bed mattress yes it's very comfortable as Tony says in his review, he likes to sleep on a cloud, and I like a little more firmness. And somehow this mattress does both. Yeah, we are <laughs> both very comfortable in this mattress. Of course, on top of it, we have our RV super bag Correct. still that we bought five years ago. Yeah, in quartzite. Yep. The whole thing is, is terrific. I've gotten, in fact, we like this ghost bed mattress so much. <laughs> when we packed up our stuff at our Sticks and Bricks oh, in California, we left our mattress out by mistake. And it was one of those oh, air-filled like, like air like mattress. Like a sleep number type. Yeah, like that. And unfortunately, before we had a chance to move it, the cats took full advantage of it as a potty. Yeah. I don't know why the neighborhood cats decided that it would be a good potty, but boy, did they ever. Apparently, yeah. So we had to throw it away. You know, it's not really something we wanted to do because we like that mattress. Right. But so now when we get to our new sticks and bricks and we have our bedroom set up, we won't have a mattress in it. And ghost bed is really high on the list. I would have zero issues buying a ghost bed mattress for our house. I like this one that much. You know, when we were driving out from California to Indiana to pick up this trailer, mm -hmm. every night we stayed at some hotel and the caliber of mattresses went from okay to the prison had rejected these uh, as too tortury. Come on now. Okay. There well, was one really not comfortable mattress, but really, for the most part, it was bearable. But we only stayed in each one one night. Right. So it kind of didn't matter till the end when we were like a series of not our mattress was starting to get on our backs. But Right. But I mean, the fact that the first night from this ghost bed was oh, yeah. super comfortable. I mean, it's just, it nailed it. And I, I would have zero issues buying one for home yep absolutely so, 
Or if I had to replace the one in an RV, I would have zero issues buying one for my RV. So right. that says a lot. And by the way, we haven't got rid of the actual mattress yet. <laughs> we're not sure how we're going to do that. But the three-inch topper went to my nephew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were outfitting him all, with all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they're going to have a whole new RV themselves. Yeah, absolutely. What we're trying to do is convince him to become an RV tech cuz he's got the skills, he's yes. got the he's the right guy. He's a young guy. I don't know what is he like somewhere around 30. Somewhere around there. Young guy and good with his hands and looking for an opportunity and I mean that is the perfect candidate to become an RV certified RV tech and we are going to talk with the people at the RV Technical Institute in the future here in the next few weeks and boy do they have opportunity for anybody wanting to become a tech it's truly unbeatable so another thing that is unbeatable the RV of the week this week. Oh, yes. What is that? Well, it's the RKS Motive. If you're unfortunate and married to me, <laughs> you know that I will find something every once in a while. And when I see like, oh, my gosh, that's the neatest way I've ever seen that done. I obsess about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've told you that, Peggy, but... Uh, uh, you didn't have to. Okay. <laughs> Well, last time I saw an RKS Purpose, a different trailer, a smaller one, I noticed that RKS used the gray water to flush the toilet. So, Oh, a dream for Tony. Yeah. Well, I hadn't even thought about it until I saw that. Oh, that was where that idea came yeah, from. Yeah, it came from RKS. <laughs> RKS Off-Road is the name of the company. They're in Los Angeles, and they make now two different trailers, the RKS Purpose, which is a smaller off-road trailer, but now the RKS Motive, which is a, I'd say a small toy hauler, but it's big enough that you can put a side-by-side -side in it, but it's only a 20-foot long trailer, basically. Oh. And the way they accomplish this, RKS does things so differently than other RV companies. For example, typically in a toy hauler, you have a bed that comes down in the back. Well, this does have that. And it has couches that flip up on the side, yeah. But the kitchen flips up on the side too. What? Yeah, so the kitchen is on a hinge. It's all electric. It's a uh, induction cooktop. The kitchen flips down so you can get your side-by-side -side in. So instead of it being a kitchen and then a garage, it's basically a giant garage. Huh. The sink is a really big, deep stainless steel proper sink. The bathroom is also pretty huge, but other things, it comes with at least 400 amp hours of lithium batteries and you can upgrade to 800 they use a 12 volt cooler which was remember that was one of the things we were going to do in the yeah, yeah. custom trailer if we built it well one of the aspects of lithium batteries is that they don't really like to operate well when it's colder right right well they put a 12 volt cooler in this thing and of course, any refrigeration thing has a cold side and a hot side. The cold side is where all the food is. And then it uses basically heat exchange to blow hot air out. Uh -huh. Well, this 12-volt cooler's exhaust, for lack of a better term, heats the batteries. So it's so... I mean, there's just that kind of thinking all over this trailer. Hmm. It's so well thought of. There is no 
propane in the body where the people and utility vehicles go. Well, that's probably good. Right. They have it all in a V cabinet on the front of the trailer. So there's the Truma Vario heat heater. And there's a Truma on-demand water heater. And again, they use the gray water to flush the toilet. But one other thing they do, the roof is so strong and so differently made and so well made that it's a deck. (laughs) So you can actually go up on the roof and hang out. And there are rails that like lift up on the side. Second story on your RV. It's a second story on the RV. Nice. Oh, and they use a 12-volt air conditioner that the standard battery can operate on high for eight hours straight. Wow. RKS Off-Road is a very different company making a very different product. A lot of aircraft-type materials. The base price of this trailer ain't cheap. It's fifty grand, and I've seen them advertised for in the 90s. Hmm. So they're not cheap, but they're... Just so different and so well made. No wood, again, no wood in the construction whatsoever. Okay. It's just a good product. So Great. Yeah, worth checking out. All right. Hey, you uh, said something about air conditioners, and not all of us are lucky enough to have a 12-volt air conditioner that runs for eight hours on our standard battery. Right. But we all are probably trying to run them right now, and I thought maybe you could give us a couple tips on making sure that they're running at their maximum capacity. Oh, absolutely. Well, the first thing is whether you have a ducted air conditioner where it kind of blows out through ducts in your RV or a just a direct dump one, they all have filters. And of course, if you have a Keystone RV, it has a MERV 9 residential filter. Ooh. I know, it's pretty good. But now is a good time, bef- you know, you're probably using your air conditioner if you're camping now, yeah. to check and potentially either clean or replace those filters. If you have the typical really cheap air conditioning filters, there's a company called... Uh, kid you not wacko products good old wacko that makes a replacement for those that's far superior they also make a silencer yes they do yeah they make a nifty air conditioner silencer check those filters and one of the things i've found is that a lot of people crank up the ac and all of a sudden it quits working because it's frozen over Mm -hmm. so i would fiddle with your thermostat you want that system to cycle turn on turn off turn on turn off yeah so that it doesn't freeze over but you can kind of push it to the limit right so if it keeps running and it all of a sudden cold air isn't coming out so much maybe turn it down a wee bit another thing i think people don't realize about thermostats and air conditioners and heaters for the most part they only have two things they do turn on turn off (laughs) yeah right so if you take if you go into your camper and it's hot and you crank the air conditioner down to 60 degrees on the thermostat all it's doing is turn on, turn off. So why not just set the thermostat to where you really ultimately want it? Right. It's not going to blow colder air just because you turn the temperature down. Right. That would be a modern air conditioning system, none of which exist in RV. <laughs> and the other thing to kind of bear in mind is that an air conditioner can only do so much. So if it's 112 outside, you're not going to get 60 inside. No, they, they usually are good for about 20 degrees of cooling. 15 to 20 is it. That's all 
most RV air conditioners are good for. So if it's 100 degrees or 110, you're not getting below 80, chances are right. One of the bummers about RVs. So yep. I wrote a whole article about how to stay cool in the summer. And in addition to the obvious, turn on the air conditioner, <laughs> there are other tricks, which we've been using here in Colorado. It's yeah. been pretty hot in the day. And other than one day where we were inside the trailer the whole day we have been in here enough but also used those tricks and the air conditioner hasn't run very much right we haven't really needed although to. again i understand if you're in the south and it's 90 degrees with 90 percent humidity, right. <laughs> that's a different reality than we have here in colorado it's fairly dry here where yeah. we are all right so clean your filters and, of course, every week we pose a question of the week. This one was really popular, but came to us from... Mike Trobeck asked in the podcast group a really awesome question, and we just went ahead and passed it on <laughs> to the rest of you. And Mike's question was, if someone said you only get one camping trip in 2023, where would you choose and why? He wants a one- to two-week trip in the lower 48. You guys came through. Man, we got some great answers. Boy, did we ever. And in no, in kind of the order that we got them, sort of. But what I'm saying is Colorado's not top on the list because we happen to be here. It just happens to be the first place that someone answered. But six people answered that they would make a trip to Colorado. We had Missouri. Someone's making an East Coast trip from South Carolina to Maine. That would be something I would really like to do. Yeah, that's on our list for someday to get farther east. As far the farthest we've been really is Indiana, and we haven't been to the south at all. So no, yet we are yet. coming. Oh yeah, there's yeah. your fair warning. <laughs> we had two kind of Grand Canyon, South Utah National Parks trips. We had Deerfield, Massachusetts, which doesn't sound like, you know, everybody's answer, but someone said because they have a lot of family history there, and so they want to go there and explore their family history, which is awesome. Two versions of the Oregon-Washington area, someone who is planning to go to Maine slash New England, or I, I don't know if it's planning or would plan, because that was really the question. Two or three people said South Dakota. Oh, yeah. Which is also, I can't wait to go back there. We've been there twice, but kind of stayed in one little spot, and there's so much more to see. We drove through, and as we were driving through to become residents, we had to kind of rush through the middle of the state, and I would like to go back and do some more exploring there. There's a lot of places, in South Dakota is one of them, where you've, like, we've been and we're like, we barely scratched the surface. Yes, yes. I mean, and yet we did, you know, the the big highlights. We saw Crazy Horse and right. Mount Rushmore and, and Custer National Park. But yet, there's, there's so yeah. much more to see. It's a neat place. Yeah. Two different people answered that they wanted to go to Yellowstone slash the Grand Tetons. There is a trip through North Carolina and Florida. We have a Yosemite. That you need Mark Farrell and a walkie-talkie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mammoth Lakes, too. Mammoth Lakes as well. Someone is going from Washington to Texas and back. That's a good long trip. Yep. We had a Minnesota and Glacier National Park. So if you have no idea what you should do next year, <laughs> here are some thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. The question of the week this week is... <laughs> Can you reach 
the outside part of your stove vent. We'll post a picture of it in the Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. <sighs> but can you reach the flap to open and close the vent for your stove? And I expect a few different answers. I've already kind of seen a few different answers. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what people say about this. Because I anticipate some variety <laughs> how's that yeah <laughs> it doesn't sound like a question that would have a lot of variety but i already kind of have an idea of what that variety will be anyway where would one answer such a question well one could answer that question at our fun and friendly stressless camping podcast facebook group <sighs> lots of words wow and did you also know we did a once a week newsletter and it's completely free? Free. We have links to stories and videos and podcasts and things that will help you get the most out of your RV experience. Yep. All you got to do is visit our website at stresslesscamping.com and you can sign up at the bottom of any page or if it's your first time there, welcome. And you'll probably see a pop-up that says, join our family. Right. And we want you to know that all we do is use that to send you a once a week email. We don't share your information. We just use it to keep you up on our weekly shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And of course, speaking of the website, you'll find show notes for this episode, episode number 159 on the podcast page at stresslesscamping.com. And also, while you're on the website, hop on over to our deals and discounts page for the best deals on things you'll need for your stressless camping adventure. Yeah, and if you've got a great deal for our audience, let us know. Oh, we have some new deals coming up. We do have some new deals coming up, so be sure and check it out. Of course, we are in all the social places. You can find us by starting at stresslesscamping.com and from there, jump off to Instagram and now TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. You know, all of those places where you can waste a whole lot of time. <laughs> right. And if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast. It's free! It's free to subscribe on any podcast catcher. And we are saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. Indeed. And of course, a review will help others find this podcast. And the more listeners we have, the more we can continue to get the best guests and better discounts. So if you haven't left a review, please do. And we do have some recent reviews, including one that had one of the lines that I really appreciate. It was from Trob MJ on Apple Podcasts, who included, unlike other podcasts, I think they actually like each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trob MJ, you're pretty much right. Yep, yeah. We, we usually do. <laughs> yeah, we go on pretty well. We also want to thank Ed and Angie and Mikey Hugs for your reviews. We really appreciate each and every review that we receive. Yeah, we appreciate each and every one of you, and thank you very much for joining us on this fun journey. And most of all, happy camping! We hope you learned a lot and had some fun and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure, and we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping! In the group, in the Stressless Camping Facebook, wait, uh, in the Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group, 
stresslesscamping.com.